Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Sales Warrior Podcast, a conversation about dominating your marketplace without sacrificing your body, your marriage, your children, or your soul. And in today's very special episode, Rise of the Machines, episode one, with my special guest, Soham Sarkar. Soham, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brian, super excited to be here. You know, always, always up for a discussion about AI, about sales, and the last month has just been explosive for everybody involved, I think, with GPT-4 and everything else. Can't, can't wait to dig into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I'll give you give the audience a little bit of the background. And I'll admit that the podcast has been on a little bit of a pause recently. Um, last couple of months have just been focused on a number of things, but it is time to, to resurrect this and, and get the conversation going because there's never been... I mean, as you and I have talked about, there's not really been a change in the world equivalent to what we're dealing with right now. Even if you said the internet, I don't think the internet, the internet coming online is as big as this. I think this is a more equivalent to like electricity. Um, we don't know everything that's going to happen. And, I, and what I'm saying is the, the advent of the, uh, of large language models, AI at scale available to the whole world. And all of the things that are coming in from that uh, are changing everything. So with any change in the world, it always creates opportunities for uh, great sales opportunities because changes in the world like this lead to new winners and new losers. And if you're a listener to this podcast, you're one of those folks that recognizes this and you don't want to be on the side of the losers. You know you must adapt. So uh, I knew that too. I felt this a number of months ago and I've been diving headlong into the conversation of AI and what that means, not only for my customers, but also in the conversation of sales. Because if you're like me, you know, you're, you know, you're a salesperson, you know the things you're supposed to do, but oftentimes it's easy to get distracted and there's different systems and tech and all of those kinds of things. So I went on a search to find for lack of a better term, AI mentors. And part of my journey led me, Soham, to you, my friend, through our, our common uh, friend, uh, Justin Michael, who, who is a great man and has done great things for, for so many people, not the least of which uh, being a, a counselor and a coach to me, uh, he connected the two of us. Uh, well, actually, I don't know how that happened. I don't even really know how it happened. We just got connected somehow. I think I found yeah, your platform just, and signed up for the wait list. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 correct. But, but uh, you signed up. That's how. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I, and so I saw. I, I saw what Soham was building, and and I immediately saw possibility. But then I had the opportunity to meet you, and that really opened up a new conversation. So uh, that's why I was like, I have to bring you to the podcast to the listeners, so they get to uh, learn a little bit more about you. And I think, my friend, that's that's what I like to do today. Is like, just give us a little bit of background because it's one thing to have an AI guy. It's another thing to have a sales guy that became an AI guy. And that's that's what we have here with Soham. And so, uh, yeah, man, just like, tell me, tell me a little bit, give me your background, give me a little bit of your story. You know, so there you were, you were selling, you had an agency and then like, give us, give us a little bit of the background, my friend. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, first of all, uh, like, thank you for the kind words in the in, in the intro. And I, I have to say, like, uh, just meeting you as well was extremely helpful to me, just in in terms of clarifying the things that I was trying to conceptualize around the product that we're building. You gave such fantastic insight, and 
just the support you've given has been has, it's paid off tenfold to me already. So ah. I'm extremely appreciative of that. Like every single day, you My know, pleasure. you've been one of the one of the first backers of what we're building uh, ever since last month, and it's just been amazing since then. Of course, you know uh, all, all the amazing things that have happened, but um, you know, in terms of where I was, I, I was doing the sales I, sales thing. I was uh, running my agency. So I started in around um, 2016. This is right after I dropped out of university in my final year, uh, started a sales agency. I was actually freelancing before that, but then I started my sales agency, uh, Motion Labs. And I did that until like 20, 2019, I believe. And I was doing outbound appointment setting cold emails, the entire uh, gamut. A apart from cold calls, I didn't do that. I was never that great at it myself. But um, I stopped in 2019 because I burnt out. Like services, it's it's a hard game. Uh, margins are very low and it's a lot of customer management, relationship management. And um, I just didn't have the bandwidth to continue doing that. And over the years, I doing the sales, I, I had a very, um, what should I say? I, I was very attracted to the tools that were, that I was using, you know, like outreach, gone, chorus, um, just built a very like uh, intrigue on my part. I was always intrigued by those tools, especially when they claimed that they were AI. Like looking back, it wasn't all that fancy AI. Like they were using some parts of um, you know your traditional CNNs and RNNs, but uh, in general, it was very. Um, the, the AI was very kind of like bulldozy. It's like just cram as many numbers in there and try to get some sort of a model out of it. Yeah. Um, it worked and the, the products at that time, it, it was fairly good. Like I think Gong had the first commercial application of an ASR that was extremely, extremely high quality, which is why they captured such a, a big part of the market for like uh, meeting, recording and coaching and stuff. Uh, but in 2020, uh, so I, I took like a hiatus for about six, seven months. Then around 2020, early 2020, I met my co-founder Ashtosh, uh, who is essentially um, like a ninja when it comes to like building application system design um, and just code absolute savant at that. And I'm very fortunate to have met him. Like I've been very fortunate in terms of meeting very relevant, very highly skilled and high integrity people. And he was one of them, uh, one of the first. And since 2020 up till now, we have built three products and currently on our fourth one. So three products failed. My agency for all intents and purposes was a failure. So it took four failures, seven years, five products, multiple failures to get to this point where I'm finally seeing some kind of traction, some kind of like a product market fit, idea market fit at, at the very least. And uh, people are starting to believe in the vision that I have and aligning themselves to it, which is phenomenal to see for me. And um, yeah, so when I started in 2020, I had no idea what AI was. I just knew I wanted to build an app that did something similar to the ones that I already used in the sales tech space. That meant I would have to immerse myself into these um, products, into understanding the technology, into understanding how everything is working. And one pivotal moment I definitely attribute is us getting access to GPT early in or uh, about mid to late 2020 people think that gpt just started it, it did it, it's been there since 2020 gpt2 was there since 2018 
and we got access around like late ish 2020 for GPT-3 and that time it was just the DaVinci model and that was very difficult to prompt engineer. It couldn't do any of these things that you're seeing Chad GPT do because essentially Chad GPT and most of its predecessors, they've gone through a process called RLHF, which is reinforcement learning from human feedback. And it's basically humans telling the language model how to respond. And the original model, DaVinci, didn't have any of that. So it was just next word prediction, which made, which made, um, useful applications out of that very challenging. You would have to be very, very good at engineering elaborate prompts and prompt engineering at that time looked very different to what it is right now. So we built uh, multiple products on that technology. We used different things. We also used open source models like BERT and also leveraged IBM Watson for a bit. And we built a sequencer with AI. Then we built a Chrome plugin that worked on Gmail and LinkedIn that generated outreach messages for you from a command bar that was in early 2021. So fairly early in the game on the email AI assistant side of it as well. And then the third product that we built that also failed was the, um, we were building kind of like a deal room software where you uh, collaborate with your buyers. So this was targeting mostly account executives. They could invite someone from the buying committee into a personalized deal room. You have a mutual action plan there. You can manage tasks. So that one also didn't really take off. Although I feel that could have succeeded if we had raised a bit more capital. Uh, but eventually what happened was that over the period of, from 2020 till I would say March of 2023. So this year we had raised a grand total of $46,000, which is about 30, 38 lakhs in Indian rupees. And um, so building three products with sophisticated technology in under 50K is challenging enough. Uh, you don't have access to any talent, any resources. Tooling is limited, but we somehow had to do it. But unfortunately, at the start of uh, March, we ran out of money. Uh, and I sent um, like one of the closest, uh, the, the first backers in my previous venture, Cadence IQ. Uh, he was aware of that. He knew that we were coming into this uh, difficult situation financially and we didn't have a way out. Like we had a couple of pilots lined up, but because the market tanked in around, what was it mid Jan, the market tanked, I would say mid around that time, right? Like FTX and then, and then SVB happened and stuff like that. So the markets tanked and some of the pilots we had lined up, uh, they essentially disappeared. They cut their budget. Uh, the layoffs happened, more budget cuts and more like, I, I think every A, and SDR right now knows how difficult it is to sell currently than it was at this time last year. I think everyone is aware of that. So because of that, we lost um, most of the growth opportunities we had banked on for the previous product. And I, I did one, like I tried to do a campaign in February, an outreach campaign on Apollo, set up a few meetings, but that didn't turn out to be positive. Like. It, it, it just wasn't going anywhere and it was very clear that Cadence IQ was dead. Very, very clear by the end of February. Um, so around early March, me and Ashutosh, we mentally wrote off Cadence IQ because there's only so much a founder can take. You know, it's like three and a half years of just grinding it out. And like, I personally didn't take a salary the entire time. I think I took at max $4,000 and most of it was to pay off some credit card bills I had. So I didn't really have any savings to speak of. So there's just so much you can do before you're exhausted. And I was, I was utterly exhausted. Like I had nothing left in me. I had given my life and my blood for like three, more than three years at that point, actually, right? Like seven, 
years if you take motion labs into account um and i was i was i was about to throw in the towel for sure yeah but then OpenAI released launched GPT-4 on March 14th, and I remember I will never forget that day because that is the day when reality changed for me. Um, I'm very happy I got access to GPT-4 the day right after that, uh, probably because we had some of like one of the oldest accounts there, um, and you know it, it, my my uh, my experience with prompt engineering, uh, my skills at it helped me very quickly understand what it was capable of. Uh, so I played around with it for about a day. And uh, me and Ashutosh, we were going to apply to jobs anyway. So I told him, hey, look, I played around this for a day. I think this is nothing like we've seen. Yeah. This is a completely different universe we're living in. Let's apply to the jobs. Fine. That's great. But let's do one last thing. I have an idea. Let's try one last thing. And it won't take too long. It, we don't have to build anything. We just put together some ideas we've already worked on before in our personal capacity. And let's see what that does. So me and Ashutosh, we took the next five, six days, built up a POC proof of concept skeleton video of And in that we showcased all our expertise and experience we learned over the last three years of building with LLMs, with AIs, with GPT, understanding how this technology works, how transformers work. We implemented a lot of high level technical papers in, in, into the product demo. For example, we implemented a more advanced version of Toolformer. Uh, and by, uh, as a result, we had to implement the React uh, paper as well as um, we ended up going with reflection at a later point. And these might sound like jargon, but these are what these are is like researchers uh, working with these language models, finding out emergent properties, documenting that as a paper on archive.com. So that's A-R-X-I-V.com or is it archive.org? One of the two, I think it's .org. And um, essentially we keep track of this literature, go through the paper, see what is usable in a commercial context and try and implement that. And um, the, the reason this is novel is because at no time in history in science and technology has commercial application outpaced research. Research has always outpaced commercial application at every single point. Mm -hmm. So people always had plenty of research to kind of like work on and then build products out of. But for the first time, commercial applications are outpacing research. I, like we implemented a version of reflection before the reflection paper was released. And we just had to make some minor adjustments to optimize it. So uh, this is a completely novel situation. So right now, every company needs to have a dedicated R&D team that goes through this, um, like churning amount, like the resources are just churning out every single day and seeing what is applicable to their business use case, to their business goals. So we kept doing that for the last three years. Uh, we implemented a high level concepts of transformers and their implementations. We did a product video, um, launched it on my LinkedIn. Uh, launched it to a waitlist and uh, it just blew up. It, 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 like my entire life, like it turned 180 degrees in the last 30 days. So like it almost feels like the last seven years that I've been working and climbing towards something, the last 30 days feels like the culmination of that. And I just feel like I'm in such a blessed position 
Like I understand I put in the amount of work that I put in was no joke. And I, I'm like, sometimes you just feel proud of the things that you do. You know? And that's definitely one of them, the, the amount of work that I put in. But even that uh, being like, I, I understand that, but still un, like realizing the position that I'm in versus where I was, it, it just feels um, unreal at times, like a dream. And I never imagined I'd be here and I'm, just trying to help as many people as I can while I'm here. So there's there's two things that I hear inside of this story. <clears throat> One of those is there's a story of a man that's been on this journey, and there's this other story of a perspective about the nature of the world as it stands today. And I want to like kind of bring those into two conversations because I think they're both super valuable for our listeners to hear about because everybody is looking for some level of context in which to understand the nature of this world. And at some level, people are like, oh, you know, chat GPT, AI, it's just the newest thing, whatever. They don't quite get it, right? Like, yep. and, and th there's that. The other side of that, and that's one of the context, that's one of the, one of the topics of this podcast is this conversation of like, you know, there was a moment in 2019 where you just, you said you were burned out, like you just, it had to end like the current yep. Yep. way of living, the current standards, the current habit, habits and behaviors, like they just broke, right? Like you just had to end. What was that moment? And that's what I want to talk about first. I'm going to come back to the other part. Cause I want to, I want to give context to the, cause I think that the other ones going to need to stick around and hear this about you of the world, but let's go back to that 2019. Like there was a moment where it's like, this has to end. What was that moment? Hmm. Do you remember it? Right. I, I actually remember, yeah, I remember this quite vividly, actually. Um, at, at, at least I would say it was one of the main contributing factors for me to just say, you know, screw it and take a break. Um, I was primarily targeting, uh, US initially when I was doing the album sales. Um, and that was fine, but it, it was difficult to kind of like scale that up. Uh, to a degree because cold calling in the US from India, quite difficult. And I did hire people from, you know, Philippines and stuff from Upwork and worked to an extent, but I mean, it was always kind of hard. So I thought, right, let's, let's try and target uh, India because I can serve this market much more closely. I can cold call properly, all of that. And there was this pretty um, large mid-market company that booked a call with me. And they were doing some robotic solutions as well. And um, there was their CEO. I can't, it was either a C-suite or a VP. I can't quite recall, but one of the leaders um, booked a call with me. I had an initial disco call with them. It seemed like a pretty decent fit. They were going off for a market that I felt that I could get some sort of penetration into in the US. And um, I, like we agreed to uh, like certain terms in the contract. Uh, can't really remember how much it was. It might have been around the ballpark of around $10,000 for like a quarter, which is fairly good in India. It's, it's fairly good, uh, especially for um, services, service-based business, yeah. Uh, for a quarter, 10K, cool, works. Um, we had an agreement. We signed the agreement as well. Then... The guy told me, come over to our office. And they were in um, Delhi, I believe. Uh, 
So I booked a flight. I went to their office. Probably I thought they wanted me to meet their, you know, their team or something of that nature. Uh, I booked the flight. I went to the office um, and they put me into their conference room, you know, very um, impersonal kind of vibes there. So I'm just sitting there. I'm waiting. And then the guy that, that, that was my point of contact, he comes in and he comes in with another guy. And this other guy is, I think he was either in the finance department or something like his job was essentially to bully vendors into getting bad terms. That was his job. Yeah. And um, the next two hours was a two versus one situation in which they're telling me how they will only pay out 30% of what was agreed upon. And the 30% would also come in tranches, not at one go. So we go from $10,000 to $3,000 in one month on a monthly basis for the first three months. Right. I'm like, dude, the 10K was to hire people, to subcontract it out, to get tools. We already spoke about this. It's like, no, this is the only, only way we can do it. And at that time, uh, I was already like struggling. Like I, I've been struggling since 2018. It's, it's like, I, I had a decent year in 2017, but nothing after that. I've, I've been chasing the 2017 high for the last six years at this point, but, uh, 2018 was pretty bad and I, I was in some debt. I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's take it. And I took the job and it was the classic case of the client that doesn't pay enough, but wants VIP level service and treatment. Right. And on top of that, they didn't pay out my last months like they didn't pay out the third month so i just stopped responding to them like you know screw it you screwed me and on top of that you're not even honoring the contract that you renegotiated not even honoring that so i just stopped responding to them blocked them on everything just just went awol after that i think it took like three months i just stayed home i was just burnt out i was just burnt out uh so i just stayed home three months just gathering my because I distinctly remember around that time, I, I felt like I was uh, like a husk of a human. Like I didn't have that dry fire, that desire to get up in the morning. Yeah. It's just me going through the motion, like like a zombified version of myself. Sure. And it, it just felt really bad. Yeah. So I three months, I didn't do anything. And then it took another three or six, three or four months to get back and try something new. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's many men that can and men and women that can can connect with that, right? Where you've been grinding and grinding and grinding, and then you get into that state of almost just total scarcity, and then at some level you compromise, right? Like you, you're willing, you becomes like a yep. like you're compromising other places, so it allows you to compromise. You give yourself permission to compromise and take the deal that you really know you shouldn't take, but you take it anyway. And then because you feel back to Joe corner because the, there just doesn't seem to be any other option. That's exactly what happened with cadence IQ. Like we took, we raised funding on terrible terms and it was just to keep the company alive because like, there's a lot of things that, that go into like fundraising that if I talk about publicly, um, a lot of people aren't going to like it in from the VC space, Sure, but it, 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 it's, it's a, it's a, what do you call when everyone knows it, but no one says it. It's like a the elephant in the room, uh, elephant in the room or kind of like a, 
not a well kept secret but like a badly kept secret kind yeah. of thing you know yeah, sure um so on those circumstances you seem it, it seems you have no other option than like i've tried to analyze the situation many times i i couldn't like i can't come up with a alternative option but at least from the fundraising point of view i'm not talking about the agency i'm talking about the fundraising I can't come up with a different alternative option I could have taken at that time to keep Kaden Psycho alive. I I genuinely feel that was the only option to take those predatory terms and just fight for another day. Yeah, sure. Well, and then you did. And then so then it led to this moment of, you know, the the kind of burnout and and often what happens is that it's in that uh pit of humility for lack of a better term that uh you in the darkness of that that there's a light that finally shows up right like there's a light that wouldn't show up if it wasn't for the dark and so somewhere in there it sounds like actually one of the lights was this co-founder your co-founder that you met uh in 2020 right yeah for sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. without him like because he could have taken a job that was extremely lucrative for him he could have taken it at any point he's like He's the kind of guy that is the definition of a 10x engineer and with AI he's now a 1000 1000x engineer. Yeah. So uh he's the kind of guy who doesn't need anything. He should walk into the room, talk to the CTO of a company or the chief architect or whatever it is and he's hired doesn't matter which company. Yeah. He can get a job at Google, at Apple, doesn't matter. And he didn't have to stick it out with me. He took a he did take a job for about 6 months or 8 months because he was a uh, pretty bad a uh, situation financially and i in fact told him that you know it's i completely understand in fact i would rather you take that job and even during that time he was helping me and like making sure that we had what we needed so he was one of the main reasons that i was able to not just continue but arrive here without him none of our like recent success traction none of it would have happened and what's his and, name uh, His name is Ashutosh Dubey. A S H U T O S H. Okay. Ashutosh. And so he's it sounds like, you know, you, at some level you met a a man that, you know, was kind of the opposite of a lot of the world that you had been in, you know. It's almost like he's the antithesis of the guy, the two guys in the conference room, right? Here's a guy yeah, that yeah, isn't trying to take everything for himself. isn't using the gifts god gave him to you know only about him so he could easily go do these other things but for some reason yep. he felt a brotherhood with you and then mm-hmm. uh you know stuck stuck it out and has been with you for the last several years correct taking correct. these ideas from a you know that's and it's always right like that's always what some of the greatest teams are are made of is is you got one side of the guy that that can kind of see the vision and the other guy that can a 1000x the the math and then yep. some combination of those two things eventually creates some magic and uh you know there's there's been a lot of examples of that throughout history of 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 uh of co-founders that are kind of are that mix yeah. but at the at the at the at the nexus of those things is a you can have all the intellect and all the knowledge and all the vision you want but if you don't have the character then you're not going to last. You're not just not going to last. 100%. Right? And 100%. that's 100%. That's what that goes into 
um, you know, ultimately it's, that's part of what starts to become, become the filter for the types of customers you're willing to take, the types of investors you're willing to take, the types of, uh, jobs you're willing to take. Um, and, and, but it, but it's easy to fall off of that. It's easy to fall off of that. And, uh, it's so easy. easy. That's really the war. That's really the mm-hmm. war. That's the war for salespeople too, right? Like we all have had that deal, right? Where, you know, either there's the temptation that uh, you, you know, that, that you, you say like, or you see it where, where you're, you could take the deal, but you know, it's not quite there. And mm-hmm. you know, there's the temptation because you maybe need the commission and all this, mm-hmm. you, does your character- Go for a discount and- that, Or you do it to, yeah. You, you, or does your character hold the hold the foundation, or is your or does your self interest override the interests of the the client? Or conversely, right. also seeing this, I actually did a, a a podcast on this a while back. It's been one of the most popular episodes, which is which is the idea of liars buy from liars. That mm, interesting. I yeah. like that idea. I mean, think about it. Right, it, when a salesperson enters intersects into someone's world. My perspective is part of their real job is to help that person become aware of or move towards the, yep. the, the truth, the truth of their situation, yep. truth of their problem, mm-hmm. the truth of where their, where their possibility is. And mm-hmm. that revelation of truth, they must do something with it. They can't ignore it. Yep. Anymore. And they'll either yep. push it away and pretend it doesn't exist, or they have to move towards towards it um unless they're li- unless they continue unless they're liars right if they and if they're a liar they have to they have to uh stop lying and acknowledge the truth but here's the thing that happens when you match up a lying salesperson with a lying customer those people end up doing deals together and that's you- that's a very very interesting way to think about yeah for sure right i can see that how many times have we seen that where there's a situation maybe where the client you can tell there are some maybe some executives there that that your solution mm-hmm. actually exposes their mm-hmm. you know their situation in a, in a way that they're not willing mm-hmm. to be exposed in and so they push you away to go with the other guy mm-hmm. that is willing mm-hmm. to learn, right mm-hmm. it's all a conversation i think everyone's playing their own game right every everyone's playing their own game at the end of the day right but then, then it comes down to what game are you going to play? What game are you going to play where you can go home and look yourself in the mirror? Mm-hmm. And if you're one that continues to yep. say, well, I, I will tolerate lying in my life and in my clients, mm-hmm. what typically happens is you'll go home and you'll just stop looking in the mirror. Right. Correct. Correct. And, and then, and then some time passes and then you realize um, mm-hmm. that like, well, it depends on what happens, right? You you either you either get the wake up call or you don't. Um, mm-hmm. But in your case, yep. you you had the gift of your partner. You guys kept going, uh, and and in and in much the same way, like you ended up at this place of just endurance all the way to the end. And I mean, that's really where mm-hmm. our, our we had our first mm-hmm. conversation, right? It was that week, right? It was that week. Yep. Like, hey, man. Yep like the tank is empty, you know, next week I'm going to see if we can raise some capital and this and that and the other. And I was like, all right, man, good luck. Yeah. 
And you're like, uh, this doesn't work. And and then you you did that. You said we got we're gonna try one last thing. Yeah. Yep. And then you yep. tried one last thing and you went out there and I remember you sent me the message like, hey man, we got the investment. People we're are close. Fine. Like the game is on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like it's just a it's just a it's an example of like the nature of not quitting too. Mm. Yeah, like the way I think about it is that success a lot of the and this is something I've I've thought since 2020 maybe. Like it's something I've been thinking for a long time which is probably why I had like I didn't give up earlier which is success is largely a function of perseverance and optimization. Mm. As long as you keep tracking your mistakes and keep plugging mm. the holes and keep optimizing and you don't get attached to a like particular idea, you just need to grind it out because at a certain time, even the universe is going to get tired. I hope everybody wrote that down. Success is a fraction or sorry, is a function it's a function. Yeah. A function of endurance and optimization. And then you said a really important point there, which is keep track of your mistakes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how, because, right, how many times do we loop, like, on certain things? Like, we, like, you look and you're like, wait a minute. Why am I having the same argument with my wife right now mm-hmm. that I've been having for three mm-hmm. years? Did, I, did you not? You right. know, it's because I wasn't keeping track of my mistakes. Right? Like, right. right? Like, uh the universe will keep giving you the same lessons until you learn from them. It, it, it seems almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. God will put you back right back around on the track and yep. say, Hey, are you going to learn this time? Right. <laughs> so, uh, but then here's the, here's something that's come up for me recently is that you go into the Valley and you come out of the Valley, you come out of the pit and then it's in that moment that you start to forget the lessons. Because you start, you're yep. like, oh, yep. I'm out, right? The pressure's yep. off, right? Cool, right. pressure's right. off. And then, and then you forget mm-hmm. how humble you had to be just, you know, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. So the trick is how right. do I maintain that self-imposed pressure without having to be in the pit? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's, um, the way I look at it is the, Further down you go into, let's say, the abyss, right? Yeah. The further higher you need to reach to forget the abyss. That makes sense. Like the lower you go, it's not very easy to forget that. Like if, if it's a mild inconvenience in your life, you're probably going to forget that. But if you actually hit rock bottom, it takes quite a bit to forget rock bottom. And at least in my situation, you're always afraid of going back down to rock bottom. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that there is definitely a threshold where once I cross, it's going to start to diminish. I'm not sure how to like plan for that yet, but my belief is that as long as I keep thinking that I am like one of the smallest fishes in the room and that this can be taken away from me at any moment, which it can, I probably will not forget how I felt for the last seven years. And that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of part one of Rise of the Man During the Rise of Machines with my friend Soham Sarkar. In the next episode, you're going to hear about the vision for his company and how AI 
is going to impact everything. Come back. You're not going to want to miss part two of this episode. Until next time, my friends, this is Brian Q. Davis signing off from the Sales Warrior Podcast, a conversation about dominating your marketplace without sacrificing your body, your marriage, your children, or your soul. If you'd like more information or dive deeper into the topics of this conversation, head on over to thesaleswar.com and let's get connected. We'll see you on the next episode. 